Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Pagan. We've got a packed show for you today. We have Mark Facetta coming on at 12.15. We'll talk about everything from the Sixers to Trey Turner sucking to Frank Vogel supposedly being on a flight to Philadelphia. The NFL approves new rules. The Hassan Reddick rule. Jimmy Kemsky tweets out a great hypothetical and $700 burgers. And LeBron says he's retired, which I believe nobody believes in let's bring on first kevin kincaid to get into everything hit that thumbs up button for me hit subscribe whether you listen on the pod or you're watching on youtube ford celtics are on the ropes right now kev game seven they're about to get swept by jimmy butler (laughs) nikola jokic going to the nba finals i don't think any i don't think even the biggest homer for uh the sixers homer can can say that nikola jokic is not the best player in the world right now uh, I did see some people try to make the comparison that if he, if Joel Embiid had Jamal Murray, that they'd just be as good. I don't think so. I think it's a team full of a bunch of losers. Anyway, where do you want to start? I laid out a lot for you. Well, what angers you more, like watching the Heat beat the brakes off of the Boston Celtics, or watching uh, the Nuggets beat the beat the stuffing out of the the Lakers? It's definitely Jokic becoming the best player in the world Um, because I think they probably lose. I think the Sixers probably get swept by the Heat. The Heat are doing something that's like insurmountable. I know you touched on it on the site and everything, but they're they're starting two undrafted free agents. Two other undrafted free agents are 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 playing well and contributing a lot. Kevin Love's like forty years old. Udonis Haslam is still taking up a roster spot on the end of the bench. Haywood Highsmith, former processor or Sixers or whatever he was, he had a pretty good uh, second round against the Knicks. It's they're they're shooting the three at a very impressive clip, like never seen before. Pat Riley is just made a deal with the devil. He's a warlock, and he looks like a warlock too. So it's definitely Jokic becoming the best player in the world. Yeah, uh, I know it's it's fascinating too because I see like Draymond and some other people complaining about the undrafted free agent thing, and they're saying, you know, I wish like people would stop talking about them being undrafted. It's not an insult; it's a compliment. I mean, the compliment people are complimenting the franchise for being able to find these guys who are are ballers. Man, you look at that (laughs) that Heat roster: Gabe Vincent. Max Struess, Cale Martin, Duncan Robinson, uh, two starters, two key guys off the bench. All four were undrafted free agents. And all four of them had two-way contracts with the Heat at some point, um, not even necessarily having come like through their, their system or whatever. But just like being able to, to mine the Heat's ability to mine the G League for talent and identify guys who are, who are solid. As Craig pulls up on YouTube, the uh, – or on the YouTube stream, the, the Heat roster. Bam at a bio, first round draft pick for the Heat, but a mid round draft pick. Jimmy Butler, 33 year old veteran. Jamal Kane is one of the rookies, I think, on a two way deal. Udonis Haslam's like 50 years old. Tyler Hero's injured. Haywood Highsmith was a two way player for the Sixers. Uh, Nikola Jovic, not Jokic, but Jovic, first round draft pick for the Heat this year. Kevin Love, 40 bazillion years old, starting. Kyle Lowry, 37 years old, not even playing that well. Uh, Martin, like we just said, undrafted free agent. Victor Oladipo, uh, injured. <laughs> Duncan yeah. Robinson, undrafted free agent. Orlando Robinson, I think he's another rookie for them. Big center. Struce Vincent. Cody Zeller, like, giving him backup minutes, who's been, who's been in the league for 10 years now. And Omer, Yurt 7. Not Yurt 8 or Yurt 9. Yurt 7. Uh, the Turkish guy who's giving him, like, spot, you know, five five minutes 
off the bench when they when they're inevitably blowing a team out. It's ridiculous. Heat culture is real. Heat culture used to be a laughing stock, but heat culture is absolutely real, and it's insane. Yeah. Yeah, that was wild. I didn't think I could pull that off. I just went through the entire Miami Heat roster. I just uh, named every single guy and where they came from. But doesn't it say to you that, like, they, they just they they find these guys from all these various avenues, you know? And this when the Sixers are letting go of Isaiah Joe, I know we're not going on an Isaiah Joe victory tour. We're not going on a Charles Bassey victory tour. Yeah, we're not going to get bent out of shape about Shake Milton and all this shit. But I mean, the people who said that Doc doesn't favor the young guys and doesn't play the young guys. I mean, you look at like what Miami does and it's like, well, they give these guys a chance and they like pluck these two way guys off of, off of trees. And so it's just like, it's like when, when the heat and other teams are finding value in the margins, like the Sixers just, just don't do that. You know, like to me, it's, it's exciting to see what the heat are doing from a larger perspective because like maybe development is not dead. You know, it's not just like the shuffling of superstars. Guess who did do that? Sam Hankey did that. Sam Hankey found a lot of talent. In depth. Now we're talking about a team that was, you know, losing 72 games a year and everything. But yeah. he found guys like Robert Covington. He found guys like Isaiah Cannon. He found guys like uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Dario, Dario Sarge. I know he's a top 10 pick and stuff. But I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Who else was it? Oh, TJ McConnell into like a journeyman, like an NBA yeah. player. And like Isaiah Cannon and Sergio Sergio Rodriguez, you know, going at it in the EuroLeague final. I mean, like if Isaiah Cannon didn't get those minutes with the Sixers during the process there. I mean, would he be playing in Europe right now? So I, it's it's funny, man, because we always just we, we just keep thinking about the best star. Who's the star you compare with Embiid? And we got the MVP and all this shit. And Miami's like rolling out like a veteran, like two veterans with um you, you know Bam out of bio and two undrafted free agents. Man, I mean, maybe they just like look in the opposite direction. Maybe it's like developmental stuff. I mean, the the, the blue coats won the damn G League. So I mean yeah. they got some talent down there, but they haven't been able to it's funny because I did the list, I pulled the list of like guys who the Sixers have had on two-way contracts at some point, right? And like the two-way deals were created back in 2017, right? So they haven't been around for that long. But the only guys who are ever on two-way deals who have contributed in any kind of long-term fashion or any kind of like consistent fashion are Paul Reed and uh, Shake Milton. But the rest of these guys like, you know, Demetrius Jackson, um, you know, Mac McClung's on a two-way now, you know, like uh, I don't know who, who else, you know, a bunch of guys that just never – I don't know. Really got opportunities. There's a backlog there, so I don't know. It's it's frustrating, but I think it's it's funny because I think like the Jokic and Bead thing is officially over. Yeah. You know, I guess that's that's you know, he got his MVP. He's going to play fifty to sixty games for the rest of his career. We'll see if he's here in two years. It's like it's it's. I'm really really down. Like I I, I like Jokic. Like I don't know how any. And I always like Jokic. I think it was more people just fighting with Nuggets fans and fighting with you know. Uh, NBA sports writers and everything. I mean, he's a fat guy who plays basketball. Like, who 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 can't relate to that guy? He's a guy from Serbia, fat, smokes cigs, drinks beers, and wins MVP awards and throws sh- lob shots over his head when the uh, shot clock is winding down off one foot from three and sinking them. I mean, if you can't fall in love with that guy, I, I don't know what to tell you. And people who are complaining about the ratings and whatnot, that's going to be heat nuggets. You just don't love basketball. And I don't love, love basketball. You know, I'm not like crunching, you know, Jokic versus Jimmy Butler numbers, but like just watch the NBA finals and shut up. Everyone's like, well, this is a terrible, it's a terrible result for, uh, for the, for the NBA. It's like, it's Jimmy Butler. One of the most, one of the most fun people to watch versus Nikola Jokic, another guy who is so much fun to watch, Jamal Murray, who is so much fun to watch. Like, I think if you if you don't want to watch the NBA Finals, you weren't going to watch the NBA Finals, regardless if it was Lakers, Celtics, or it was Nuggets Heat, like it looks like it's going to end up being. Um, but what, is, what is an acceptable NBA Finals? I mean, like the Bucks played the the Suns not long ago, and Bucks aren't a big market team. 
you know? I mean, they got Giannis, but and the Suns had, you know, Devin Booker and Chris Paul back then, Bridges. I, I don't know. Yeah, again, it's like every time it's not an original drink. six team, like a like a like a Lakers Celtics, yeah, or yeah. or like a Sixers, you know, versus another big metropolitan area. Like people are just like, this is terrible for the NBA. It's like, well. Well, what, yeah. what are they going to think about the, uh, I don't say the Carolina Panthers, the Florida Panthers versus like the Dallas Stars here? I mean, is that is that what you're, what do you think about what's going on in the NHL right now? You know, yeah, I mean, it's just, I told uh, Craig to pull this. Uh, it's funny because I think Mike O'Connor hit um, hit this one on the on, nail on the head, but he tweeted that the, um, the Embiid versus Jokic debates are over, possibly for good. Jokic just mowed down Katie and LeBron while Embiid embarrassed himself yet again. Jokic's team was tough as hell. Embiid's team looked mentally weak against a team that's proving to be extremely mentally weak itself. It's over. And then he actually has a follow-up there where he says, Jokic has beaten Kawhi, PG, Dame, Katie, Booker, LeBron, and AD in the playoffs. Embiid has beaten Bradley Beal and Pascal Siakam. The worst player Jokic has ever lost to is better than the best players Joel has ever beaten. It's everything anyone could say is true right now. It is. Facts. <laughs> it is. And it's so sad. It's so sad. We campaigned for this guy for so long. Everybody is just a loser on that team. Uh, yeah. Shut up, Craig. Pull it off. <laughs> we got to talk about you maybe being a curse here because, you know, I am. You- <laughs> I am a curse. I am. I am. Yeah. I'm the opposite of whatever. I don't know okay. who isn't a curse right now. I'm I'm Michael Parsons. I'm I'm basically Michael Parsons. If, you, if I root for your team or I go out with fans of Philly to anywhere around the country yeah. to support a Sixers team, they're going yeah. to lose. Me and Michael Parsons mm-hmm. are mush right now. Uh, Frank Vogel supposedly is rumored to be on a plane to Philly, according to Roan from Barstool Sports. He had a little insider scoop. I kind of love this move if it's if it's what I think it is, and what I think it is is Frank Vogel. Is he? Is he one of the top candidates? I would say no. I would say he probably goes to Nick Nurse and Monty Williams. Nick Nurse, obviously, with the Bucks, he's getting uh, a lot of shine over there. They're in their final evaluation of interviews and whatnot. I think Nick Nurse is coming this week. I think supposedly Frank Vogel is coming this week. But Frank Vogel, product of Wildwood Crest, mm-hmm. do you think he's flying on Josh Harris's dime? Said, hey, honey, pack the kids up. We're going to see Grandma and Grandpa over in Wildwood Crest. We're going from World Day Week, and I think I, I think he is, and I think I love this move because, especially if it's like, because there was rumors out there that he was like, eh, he might just go coach the Dallas Mavericks and just be an assistant coach. He'd be yeah. just as happy with that as being a head coach. So I think well, this you, is uh, a little free trip across the country for Frank Vogel. Free trip home for Memorial Day, and then he's probably saying to the wife and kids, "I just got to go do this thing in Camden real quick, and yeah. you know, then I'll and then be we'll head down the shore. We're only yeah, about an hour and a half away from the shore, so." <laughs> It's funny because you put you put that story up yesterday and like people were it got like a bazillion quote tweets or whatever. And I don't think people realized it was like, well, I probably didn't click on it to begin with, but it was it was like a like a tongue in cheek shit post, you know, but, but he, his name was on, you know, that, that list that that Woj. Yeah. You know, but the Woj tweeted later that, uh, you know, Nick Nurse was a target, one of the three targets for the Bucks and that the. uh I don't know. He he used like something like looming. He's Nick Nurse is looming heavily or something in the Sixers and the Suns uh, approach as well. I, I don't know where Vogel is on the list. You know, um, I mean, he he he's like when when a player when, when a coach wins a title with LeBron, does the coach ever get any credit for that? 
Especially when it's in the bubble too, and it's called a Mickey Mouse Championship. And people right. say, people, we're we're gonna have debates for the rest of eternity about that 2020 championship. If it was the hardest championship ever won because of the situation, or if it was the easiest championship ever won because there was no crowd influence in there. And I, I kind of, I kind of uh, believe the uh, the latter more than the former. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. But the funny thing is that you could say the same about any coach that's won it in recent years. Like, okay, so. Did Frank Vogel ride LeBron to a title in the bubble? Did Budenholzer ride Giannis to a title? Did Nick Nurse ride Kawhi to a title over the injured Warriors? I mean, at, at what point do the coaches get credit for for anything? Only Nick Spolstra gets credit right now. Only Nick Spolstra. Eric Spolstra? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric Spolstra, yeah. Eric yeah, Spolstra is yeah. the only guy who gets credit right now. Eric Spolstra... Right. It, it depends. This is the thing. We will just continue as sports fans to always push the goalpost back when it comes to certain coaches and whatnot, because it's like Eric Spolscher, eight seed, leading the guys. Eric Spolscher, no one wants to talk about being, I believe, the one seed or the two seed last year and losing to the same Celtics team. But Eric Spolscher is a genius, not because he had LeBron and D Wade and Chris Bosh and Ray Allen in the starting lineup and won a couple titles. No, Eric Spolscher is a genius because he's taking the eight seeded Heat to the uh, NBA finals when he lost to the same team last year as a higher seed. Now I, I will say about Frank Vogel is that everybody looks at what he did with the Lakers and he had the two, like nothing, whatever years with Orlando, right? Like the retread years with Orlando. Um, I do think people forget that he had Indiana teams that went to the conference, the Eastern conference finals two years in a row and the year before that, they went to the semifinals. I mean, like you remember those teams at all? It was uh, Paul G Paul George, Roy Hibbert, yeah. um, George, George Hill. <laughs> Love that Indiana Pacers team. It was hilarious to watch Roy Hibbert go from the. It was it was funny to watch the NBA just transform into a complete 180 that just rendered Roy Hibbert absolutely useless from literally like 2008 or 2009, whenever it was, or maybe 10 or 11, to then yeah. the next year being like, yeah, we're doing only threes. We're only shooting threes now, and Roy Hibbert just just can't be a part of the NBA anymore. I mean, he went to he went to the conference finals two times in a row with the, the, like a starting five of Paul George, Roy Hibbert, uh, George Hill, Danny Granger, David West. I think Danny Granger was like perpetually injured at that at, at that point. I think he had already begun begun his always injured thing. David West, I think, was on that team, and um, Lance Stevens. It was Lance Stevenson, the other yeah. star. That's not. I mean, so he's got one star there. You know, I mean, Frank Vogel is still relatively young. I don't know. Why am I doing the devil's advocate thing for Frank Vogel? I don't give a shit if they sick of hiring or not. <laughs> but I'm just trying for the sake of discussion. I'm trying to say, like, I mean, aren't, aren't these guys all retreads? Like, well, how do you define a retread? Because all these guys. Everyone's a retread except for Sam Cassell because Sam Cassell hasn't had a coaching job yet. But is Sam Cassell technically a retread because he's a doc guy and he's a doc assistant coach? So he's basically been in the program the whole time. So it's like, is he actually a retread? It's a retread. I don't know. Well, what's, what's worse, be, what being a retread or being Doc's assistant? Like, has Doc's assistant cursed cursed Sam Cassell for forever? Does he need to get out from under the the? Does he need to go be an assistant somewhere else and then get it get, get and, and wash away the Doc stank? And the then, old and Eric then, B. Enemy, the anti Eric B. Enemy. You got to leave Kansas City to get the well, not the Andy Reid stink, but you got to leave to prove yourself that you're not the coaches. You know, you you can actually call the place. Yeah, I don't know. It's just funny because I, you know, for years it was like the NHL was thought to be like the retread league. You know, like how many teams yeah, has uh, who's a good NHL retread coach? Like how many teams has Bruce Boudreaux 
Ken uh, Hitchcock. Coach. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <Peter> Lavi- <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Anybody and, and, who coaches flyers. Hackstall <laughs> when he when he gets fired from the Kraken. I mean, he'll be a retread. Anybody who's yeah, coaching flyers. Re- yeah. Craig Baru. Well, yeah. <laughs> Want to tie yeah, that was, yeah, Craig, yeah, Baruby Chief. Yeah. Um that's funny. I I don't know. It's just Frank Frank Vogel is, was not high on on my list, but I just don't know. I think that's a good like like deep NBA dork question. It's like how how much I think of like all the major sports combined. I think the NBA coaches probably get the least amount of credit and maybe have the least impact on the game. Who knows? Other than calling up like a good like like slob player like an ATO or something like that. I mean, because otherwise it's a superstar league i mean we just had uh rasheed wallace right saying that they didn't uh they ran their own plays for for doc or something you know so it'd be nice if someone in this city who covered basketball wrote a profile on sam cassell so we could understand what went on behind the scenes you know what was doc i think people have written about sam cassell yeah yeah, but nothing, nothing uh, like that. Like, oh yeah, he was a part of like he, it's all been like player development. Player development. Was he ever a part of any adjustments? You know, what was he doing in the film room? Was him and you know Jaeger swapping you know offensive game plays and defensive game plans? I really just enjoy kind of like a Jeff McLean kind of like broken down piece of like what went on behind the scenes. How much side. Doc yeah. had some influence. How much Doc maybe was just golfing at Marion all the time. Right. Uh, it was like a Sam Cassell like really pulling the strings behind. Yeah, the, the it'd be nice. Yeah. It'd be nice to know. Well, let's bring him on. We'll bring him on. Yeah. 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 Our guest is already on. He's uh he was behind the scenes for about cold minutes. We appreciate it. Mark, appreciate it, buddy. We got hey, what's going on, guys? No, no, I actually started uh Googling uh Frank Vogel just for some unknown facts. Maybe I'm late to this party. Do you guys know he was on stupid human tricks? I did. I did see that last night. <laughs> that is amazing. I've never seen that before. Balancing a basketball on a toothbrush while spinning it and brushing his teeth. I guess, yeah, hire that man. Why not? What's going on? Yeah. Very stupid human trick, if you ask me. <laughs> how do you? How does one discover that they have that power? That is true. That is true. How That's did, a good how point. Did, like, how did the how did the lady who puts all the stuff on her head, all the cups on her head, figure out that she could put the the cups on her? Head? Oh, the, the the unicycle lady, Red Panda, Red Panda. Yeah, Red Panda. I don't know, but uh, good for her, I guess. She's made a living out of it. When when you live in Wildwood Crest, something tells me from <laughs> September to may is a very very boring time down there that you need to find out <laughs> anything that you can do stupid human tricks or if you're good at basketball yeah. or you can do whatever you want because you need to get out of wildwood crest one day because uh, well, the shoebies are always going to be there very true very true I've, that's such a good analogy for like the poster boy of you know downtime at the beach off season at the jersey shore yes. <laughs> Yes. Are you, are you, are, do you have any plans? Are you excited for Memorial Day weekend? Are you, are you a sure guy? Or are you a trans fan? Uh, Kevin was nice enough to do uh, my show this morning. We taped last night. So Ke- Kevin knows I, I, um, I just moved to the suburbs. Uh, I lived in, oh, wow. in the city proper Fairmount for 20 years and just moved to the Wait. suburbs. And uh, what's that? You quit the city. I quit the city, man. They had the kids I had to get out of Dodge. Unfortunately, it broke my heart. The food out here sucks, but uh, yes, it's like better yes. for kids and stuff. They tell me, uh, but we bought a house that has a pool. So yeah. So we host everything now. That's what I've learned. You move to the suburbs and you have a house with a pool, especially you host everything. Like my wife's family will be in town for Memorial Day, Day weekend. I didn't grow up as a shore person. We weren't really big on vacation anyway. Uh, so we didn't really go down the shore much as a kid, but uh, a lot of my friends were Seattle people and, uh, and, and Wildwood Crest specifically. 
but uh yeah yes. so but okay. nothing big just just playing host making uh making sauces and peppers for about 50 people that'll be in and out of my house through the weekend stop by fellas come on down so you're the grill master I am the grill master. I am the pretty much the kitchen master. If we're hosting anything, odds are I'm the one cooking. You I like being the grill master. I, have I do agree though with the, with real quick because I don't I don't think that um, the food in the suburbs is that bad. <laughs> I think that the I think the food in Philly is that good. You know what I'm saying? I think it's, it's the other end. But that's the same that make you're just convoluting the argument to make it exactly what Mark just said. No, but it's the, the same outcome. Outside the city stinks compared to the food no. inside the city. No, 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 no. It's it's the but no. But you're talking about the blanket idea of the food in the suburbs sucking. It doesn't it's compared to Philly. Yes, it sucks. Compared to Philly, most food everywhere sucks. Right. Yeah, but that's it's just, fair. I think it's. I think the take is more that like Philly food is that good. You know. I, I, I still people think people have this like thing, thing that like the only thing we have in the suburbs is like like McDonald's. <laughs> Or something that we don't. There's like actual. There's restaurants out here. They're not. It's not like uh, yeah, there's Maggiano's. There's Bonefish Grill. There's <laughs> 15 PJ Willihans. Yeah, there you go. I, I, I'll say this. I I meant this as more of an analogy when people were asking me because I literally up until we moved, it was you know my, even my brother who hates going to the city. He's like, why would you choose the suburb? Why move to the suburbs now? And I, he's like, how does it make you feel? And I'm like. You know the end of the movie Goodfellas when Ray Liotta is standing in front of the house and he's like, last night I ordered spaghetti and marinara and I got noodles and ketchup? That's how I felt in general about moving to the suburbs. And then I actually had – I ordered like a shrimp scampi over bucatini and I got, no lie, like shrimp alfredo over fusilli. And I'm like, Jesus, Mary and Joe, what is this? And then I literally threw up four hours later. So so that that means a lot to you. (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mark's the real. Uh, you're not. You're not calling the suburbs on me. I get anxiety when I see grass. I will be in the city for as long as possible. Kevin has quit. You have quit. And I'm the only one. Program. Yeah. The ride. The riding mower just showed up today, so that'll be a that. Oh, oh, big day! All no, right. No, 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 no. It's an electric powered riding mower. It's the Prius. Of lawnmowers. No. Okay. Do not let him tell you that the riding lawnmower, he is, he's operating. <laughs> I don't even know what you can call that. He All might right. as well let a man cut his own grass. I can't, I can't, I can't knock the electric mower in general because I too bought an electric mower. It's not a riding mower though. I don't have, I live like maybe an acre and the, the, the backyard is all taken up with concrete for the most part. But I got to say, you know, my, my big thing was I'm not going to buy new balances. I'm not going to buy new balances. I'm not going to buy new balances. Yeah. And then I bought an electric mower. And like, I like how that was my concession. Uh, but yeah, man, you move to the burbs. Got to mow that lawn, man. You know, you got to take pride in your yard. You got to make sure that your lines are straight. Your neighbors might be quite askew, but right. you got to have the straight lines. It's a cultural thing. Pagan wouldn't understand because you have to <laughs> present your property in a certain way. He doesn't. He lives in like a condo or something. So <laughs> he would, ne- would, would, would never understand the importance. <laughs> I started cutting grass at 11. I'm blue collar as that, that guy. Right. There you go. Guy who grew up in North Wales, by the way, talking about how he's never going to go out to the <laughs> suburbs. Talk about a hypocrite. So I got out. I got out. Well, you got you got you got out and into and into the city. Most people trying to go the other way. I got one more question for Suburb Mark. Yes. <laughs> yes. So Mark, yeah. 
you been there for a couple months so far? Yeah, January. Yeah, yeah. Have you started scouting the neighborhood, seeing the kids that are going to shovel the shovel the walk, <laughs> cut the grass? Uh, the my do we live on a on a cul-de-sac, so I don't know okay. if it gets much more suburban than that. Uh, I, I the kid across the street looks like he's got a strong body. He's got a strong mm-hmm. back. Looks like he really is dedicated to work. His father's a hard worker. Um, so I think that that'll be the kid's about 15 years old. That's prime oh, snow perfect. shoveling age. So yeah, I think he'll uh, he'll get a couple of bucks from me come wintertime. Good. I like it. Gotta scout the neighborhood. You Go gotta ahead, you gotta. So you so Mark, you've been doing the Farzi show for uh, was it like two years now or something? Uh two years, yeah. Yeah. Years, uh, February yeah. was two years, yeah. Yeah. And you're doing the independent thing. You know, you have guests on. Um I did I've done the show a couple of times. I was on this morning and um, you know, otherwise you you monologue it and um I'm just curious in general, like what you what you think now, two years in, and do you like uh, doing the show independently? And what do you, what do you make of how, how it's gone so far? Uh, fantastic! I uh, I was strictly linear when I was at NBC, like radio and TV, and then when I was at NBC Sports Philly, Comcast Sports, and then NBC Sports Philly. I did some digital stuff when I was doing 700 level show and I, I, I doing it. I mean, I was doing it to host a TV show. And then when I was there, they're like, you know, we want to do this segment for the web. We want to do this segment for the website and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever. And I never really took the plunge full board into full board into the digital platform, whether that be podcasts, whether that be clips and all that stuff. And then with the way our society has gone and our own culture in this business is gone, it's not just like where everything's headed anyway. Like look at the show that you know you guys are doing now. Um, it's kind of where we are. So to be to first off get the base of the linear platforms of radio and TV and have that as a jumping off point to go into the digital world and already have you know at least a little bit of a name in the market has certainly made the transition for me a lot easier. But I mean, nothing beats the freedom. Uh, you have to become a business owner, which kind of sucks because I never got in it to be a business owner. Yeah, uh, yeah. But my agent at the time became my manager and he has started web shows and podcasts and all that. So I was eager to do it and I, I wouldn't have minded getting out of it a- a- entirely and maybe doing something else. I have a lot of interest, a lot of things I enjoy doing. And of all people, Mark Zumoff, uh, right before we officially started the show, Mark Zumoff called me, uh, who I've known for years and you guys know he's a great guy and he was like, so what are you planning on doing? And I was like, Mark, I'm, I'm moving out of the country. I'm buying a pizza shop somewhere, and I'll pay the locals to run it. And uh, he goes, okay, well, don't don't, don't get out of this just yet. I think you could still do some stuff here. And I was like, ah, right, whatever. And then he retires, and he talks about how he wants to travel, like eat all this pizza, if you remember in the letter. And I had him on my show just to be like, you bastard. You stole my yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> in all honesty, I, uh, and he was laughing. We are laughing. He's a great guy. And um, – I uh, I love it. Nothing compares to the freedom, the fact that I can do what I always wanted to do. I always wanted to talk about sports. I always wanted to host my own show. And to have that in the radio TV world was great. To do this now under my own umbrella, uh, under my own management has been simply fantastic. Yeah, it's like a new it's like the new frontier, isn't it? Yeah, because you and I like both worked um, in, you know, quote unquote, corporate media for (laughs) a long time and we're I, we're owned we have a company that own, owns us but they're overseas based so we're still kind of like have an independent kind of lean but I, I hear that from a lot of people who say that it's just nice to i, I don't know, like be, be their own boss or kind of have like all the all the control over the creative side of it and you can set yeah. your own agenda and like book the guests that you want and i mean it just wasn't it wasn't possible 
10, 10 years ago, you know? No, I, just for the record, I still have you in my phone as Kevin Kincaid spelled wrong, by the way, Kincaid yeah. spelled wrong in my phone, CBS three still has, still comes up if we text. Yeah. Um, well, look, I'm drinking out of my wife's intercom. Um, oh, look yeah, at you. Yeah. So we know, so we have our, like, we're still, we have remnants of our cor- corporate, uh, corporateness. Oh yeah. Still, probably, still. The corporate uh, stink still on you. Oh yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm, hey, I'm wearing, I'm wearing the, uh, the shirt of the company I used to work for. I used to work for Comcast. So, you know, who am I? I'm not, oh, not even, I'm not better than any of you guys. Yeah. I, it was, uh, yeah. Having that, having that background, Kevin is great because it kind of gets your you get your feet wet and kind of how things are supposed to run. But then at the same time, you see a lot of the BS like I don't like having so much control is is great. Obviously, there's good and bad, but I don't miss the conversations with people behind the scenes where they've. And this isn't just to say that I'm perfect or anyone on air is perfect, but somebody hands you something at that moment right before you go on air and it's wrong or there's a there's a copy you've been there's copy you've been handed for a commercial and it's wrong like the only person to be mad at is yourself so i like that ownership of it yeah. and i think that, that i think that that's a that's the best part about it yeah how do you like the current landscape of Philadelphia sports? You obviously got the Eagles. The Phillies are kind of like treading water right now. The Sixers, who God knows who's going on. But if you look at it right now, the Flyers stink. You're like one, maybe two are teams that we can talk about for the next like six to 12 months and whatnot. That we're, or that we could see, sorry, like a future. How do you feel about the uh, the landscape right now? Do you think uh, we'll turn it around or? Uh, landscape, I, the best way I can describe it right now, and and I was just out of town talking to a lot of people that are not Philadelphia people, and I I can't believe how much this Sixers loss is sticking with me. Like with the with the, with the Eagles losing the like the Eagles lost a Super Bowl, okay? The Phillies lost a World Series, Union lost a championship, and what's what's sticking with me the most, what is the most like gut-wrenching is a and this is pathetic i acknowledge it's pathetic no, it's but it's the second round exit by the yeah. sixers because with this i feel like in this landscape of everything i'm looking at the sixers and we're looking into the abyss right now it's like what's next like is harden gonna go who's gonna come in is harden gonna stay for more money that he should be worth what the hell are we looking for? <laughs> yeah. Craig's really good at pulling up old tweets. So if you have any old tweets, just we'll make sure we screen them before that. I don't know what's yeah. going on back there. But you're you're 100 percent right. I, Philadelphia can deal with losing. They yes. can't deal with losing the way they lost in game seven. It was just an ultimate just quitting on the team, quitting mm-hmm. on the series. And then you go and see now the heat and everything. They're going up 3-0, about to go to the NBA finals. And it's like, wow, I wish that I wonder if that would have been us. I wonder if it would have been different. It's just a this completely unknown that I feel like we live with. Like, what if we live with a bunch of what if I feel like in Philadelphia sports? Sure. Sure. Uh, and that's the, that's the bottom of it. Well, the flyers right now having to be in total rebuild mode, which I know we'll talk about is, is one thing. The Sixers being in this kind of, uh, the, like I said, staring off into the abyss is another, but then it's like with the Phillies and the, and even the Phillies aren't playing great right now, but I still feel like they're a better team than what we have seen this season. And then with the Eagles losing the Super Bowl. There's this feeling of with Jalen Hurts and this core being here for a while and this offensive line, there's a feeling of, oh, we could be back immediately watching that team in the Super Bowl. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. The Flyers, they need to dedicate themselves fully to some sort of, and I hate this buzzword, but it's true, some sort of process to get this thing back to what it was. And I know that's what Josie talked about in his uh, press conference and and Danny Briere as well. With the the Sixers, Daryl Morey, like there's no – there's no like if you look at the free agent list, the class of of 
coaches that are available right now far exceeds and is far better than the free agent class out there right now in the NBA. And that's weird as hell. So you don't know what to expect from the Sixers. And Daryl Morey needs to wave some kind of magic wand that I don't think he has to bring this Sixers team to prominence where everyone can look at it and be like, oh, forget about just making it out of the second round. We're talking about absolutely having a chance to win an NBA Finals. And then with the Phillies, I, I just I don't know what it is about the Phillies, but I think with Bryce Harper, they'll start out slow. Uh, I think that the, this pitching will come around eventually. I do have optimism for the Phillies because although the games matter, um, I feel like going into this road trip, this 10-game road trip that they're going to start in a couple of days, I think that's really going to give us a good idea of what type of team we're watching here. But I still don't think we've watched the best version of the Phillies, and I sure as hell don't think we've watched the best version of Trey Turner just yet. Now the Phillies are the Phillies are hard to talk about, man, because it's like it, it, they they play so many damn games. It's like yeah. we were, it was like we were joking because when we were we were recording the segment for your show, it's like, well, watch us talk about Trey Turner, and then he's going to go for like <laughs> three for four, which he did not. Right, but, but you know, it's like how can you have like any kind of like heartfelt, like legitimate, like take on the team or write a column about the team, and then like the next they play six games in a row, and it's like they win five of them, you know, which is which is, you always come back to like, well, they'll figure it out, they'll figure it out, they'll figure it out, you know. So it's mm-hmm. I always found that hard to talk about because there's just so much. So many games, and then the the potential for fluctuation and variation. You know, and that's it's not like we have like the Eagles where they play like shit on a Sunday, and then we got a whole week to <laughs> digest and plan out your Monday. We're gonna rip the defensive coordinator. They're gonna rip the offensive coordinator on Tuesday. You know, so that's always mm-hmm. the weird thing about about them. But like to your point about the Sixers, it's not you're, you're feeling like we're all feeling like this cumulative like year after year after year failure that piles up. It's like the Eagles lose the Super Bowl. They lose the Super Bowl, but we know they're in, in good hands with Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie and Jalen Hurts and all that stuff, you know? So that's, oh, why yeah. feel, that's why we feel differently about them versus, you know, these other teams. Can yeah. I offer you not a process? And I'm going back to the Sixers. Okay. All right. But more of a procedure. A procedure <laughs> in terms of like, you get your invasive, scope. invasive. Yeah, yeah. Okay. you get your scope. It's nothing like ACL surgery, not repairing an Achilles or anything, but you're getting like a little scope in the knee. Okay. You, know, you get to that age 30, 31, 32, you move out to the suburbs, you quit on the city. <laughs> and then you do your rehab and you come back better, faster, stronger than ever. If I gave you, and it wasn't, it's not, it's not a caught a punt on this, on this six or season, but more of like a retool. Maybe Daryl goes out, earns his paycheck a little bit, buys low on guys, sells high on guys. And then you, we kind of just take uh, the fans and everything. We take a year off from the Sixers. I think it would be great for our mental health. I think it would be great for the Sixers' mental health because I do believe that the Sixers' viewership and the Sixers' ticket sales will be down. We and Kev already know a couple guys that have not renewed and everything. If I gave you, hey, Mark, you're going to you're gonna talk about the Sixers still, but you know it's going to be more of a exciting six to eight seed. And then we'll retool and we'll get back next year. Maybe even Embiid sits for 30, 40 games and we get a top 10 seed. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, could I sell you on that? Or is the Philly and you just like, I'm not dying on this hill? I was uh, pro, pro. I wasn't a hankyite, but I was definitely like, yeah, break it the hell down, man. Yeah, I'll give you three years. And I remember doing a radio show at the time and just saying at the time they traded Drew Holiday, I remember saying, all right, how much time are you going to give this? Because we all know what the plan is. How much time are you going to give us as a fan base? And the average was three years. They were going to give it three years, which lasted a little, little longer than that. But for me, I cannot go through any type of invasive surgery. I can't go any, through any type of uh, huge process. 
I don't know. So you're hinting at the idea of, are you touching on possibly trading Embiid this year or next year? No, no, no. So okay, I think okay. You run, with, you run it back with Maxi and you run it back with Embiid. You hope Maxi okay. takes the next step, but you're kind of retooling this year and you got your eyes set on 24 25. You're saying okay. like one step backwards in hopes that like, you know, maybe that gives you two, two steps. steps forward. Yeah. yeah. I, okay. So I think ultimately we're looking at the right head coaching hire, which I think the number one guy is, is Nick nurse. If I'm, if Daryl Morey's tapping me on the shoulder and saying, Hey, who should we hire? I'm like, I think Nick nurse will do the job. Um, so I'm a Nick nurse guy, I guess, but I still think that you need talent. I think that goes without saying, and I don't think the Sixers are close to that with just Maxie and Embiid and whatever you're going to get from Tobias Harris and P.J. Tucker still being in your starting lineup. They need to acquire shooting. They need to acquire consistent shooting to do that. But if you're telling me you've hired Nick Nurse, you've gotten some decent talent to help, nobody that's a superstar or even an all-star caliber player, just somebody that does their role to perfection, whether that be a 3 and D guy, whoever it might be, someone to help fill out that starting five. If you're telling me that and Embiid is going to be load manage the hell out of through the season so that he's the best chance of being healthy for the playoffs. Okay. I'm not going to look at it as, Oh, maybe this is the year they do it by any means. But if I see Tyrese Maxey take a step this year, this is the thing we have to be excited about. If Tyrese Maxey can have another big lunge forward, as far as being that, that palpable scorer, being a guy that will flirt with being an all-star, maybe even make an all-star team. If we see that kind of jump forward where he can take over more of that hardened role, and I'm not talking about double digits and assists and, and 30 points per game, but up that average to 23 points per game, increase the three-point percentage, which was already great this season, and be that consistent scorer and slasher, then I think the Sixers can have something to get excited about in another year. But at that point, you're talking about going into a season where jo Joel Embiid's going to be 31, and I don't think it's a young 31 by any means, uh, and you're talking about hopefully making another acquisition to take that team to the next level. You can sell me on the idea of watching Maxi develop, because at least I'm watching something, but in terms of selling me on the idea that that team is going to exceed anything that this team has done, I'm not buying that. Hold on. You would yeah. – Kind of take it, kind of take the retool for a year and, and see what we can do in 24, 24, 25. I want to make sure I. Yes. I if I'm still, thing. if you're giving me something with Maxi's improvement, if I'm seeing that okay. and getting some mid level guys that simply do their job and a healthy Joel Embiid and a better head coach, I can watch that season. I can get excited for that season. At probably at some point, I'm going to have some unrealistic expectation for that yeah. team. Um, but then next year, uh, the, the following year, so two years from now, I, I better see all that again and somebody else coming in, taking them to the next level. Mark, you worked with Keith Jones at WIP and um, it, it just, the, the whole, the whole thing is just fascinating to me because I, because I, I don't, we, we've been talking on the show um, about, about just you know, the optics of it are, are interesting because it's like, you could seriously sit here and say like, Oh, the guy running the flyers now is doing fart jokes with Angelo <laughs> a couple months ago. Right. Okay. Technically true. But I mean, Oh yeah. I keep, I keep sitting here thinking about it. I'm like, I, it looks funny from that perspective, but like, I don't have any fucking clue if Jonesy is going to be good at this. He could be really, he could be great at it, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I don't, I don't know what take there is. Other than that, you know, I know Anthony um, Sanfilippo worked with Jonesy, too. I think, Well, as a quick sidebar to it, because like, most people in the media know Jonesy. And, like, of course, they're going to say nice things about him. Like, no one's going to say, like, he sucks. I think he's going to do a terrible job. I think we all kind of have the same take where it's like we hope we hope he does well. But, like, admittedly, yeah. we, we don't 
I guess we don't have any clue on whether he's going to do well or not. So very generally speaking, um, I got to know Eddie Olchuk, who was supposedly one of the finalists for the job when I was working behind the scenes uh, with NBC, NHL on NBC. And he's one of the greatest guys you could be around, one of the nicest human beings in the world and all that stuff. And I just thought it was – the thing that jumped to mind was like, oh, that's odd, broadcaster to possible president. And then I saw Jonesy's name was popping up, and I'm like, what? And then I saw that it was official, and I swear this is zero exaggeration. I just stared at my phone, and I laughed. Because, as you mentioned, I worked with Jonesy. I worked with Jonesy for 13 years. I know Jonesy pretty well. And, yes, I went right to all the sophomoric experiences that I think about when I think about Jonesy and all that stuff. But what I really started to think about, I said, all right, let's take – let me try to go and give myself a bird's eye view of this for a second. In my time knowing Jonesy and working with Jonesy, this guy went from a – he was just coming out of being a player when I started at WIP, maybe a year or two removed from that. He filled in as the you know goofball you know, co-host of the morning show and did that phenomenally well. And then this opportunity came for the NHL when they were going, I think, from ESPN to the NBC label with OLN, if you remember back in the day, with like versus oh, later. Yeah, exactly. He went – from this like goofy guy to this serious studio studio analyst. And I remember he had me, he asked me at the time if I could put together, I didn't have to do any like real hardcore research. So it wasn't like he was depending on my hockey knowledge. He made me put together this, um, this binder that had every team's uh, top three lines on it across the board in the NHL. And I remember him studying that. I remember him getting ready for the job at OLN, get ready for the audition at OLN. And I remember the work he put into that to go from player to goofball radio guy to serious studio analyst. There were people that had had their doubts then. I saw him work his ass off going back and forth uh, from Connecticut back to WIP, going through the night to do the morning show. I remember the work ethic. It was very similar to the work ethic he had as a player. And I didn't expect him to be now a prominent hockey voice nationally. And every role he's had, and I know you guys just showed the tweet, but when I really boiled it down, he loves this organization. He loves this city. Every role he's ever had, he's excelled at, and he's worked his ass off to do that. And he he has, and I know people don't like this, but I feel like the Flyers need this. He has a connection to the Flyers always being relevant. And as a guy who grew up a huge Flyers fan, for them to not even bring in the crowd that would even say, oh, you know, call me when they're in the playoffs and I'll be interested then. People aren't even interested in that. I mean, they made it past the first round of the playoffs in the bubble, and not a lot of people cared, unfortunately. Yeah. But they've been out of the playoffs, first round exit, out of the playoffs, first round exit, out of the playoffs, out of the playoffs, out of the playoffs, consistently now for like a decade, it feels like. So I know that he understands how important this franchise can be to the city again, and I'm not going to bet against Jonesy. Because I know the guy for all the goofball stuff that I remember him for. One thing that doesn't get talked about enough is how hard that guy is willing to work to be successful. And that guy has certainly had one hell of a successful career in broadcasting. And also the fact that he's going to help a guy like Danny Briere be a general manager after Jan Danny Briere was banging around the front office for a while now. Getting that experience for him to be in that role, I think, is great. And also to keep in mind that it's not the same role Chuck Fletcher had. It's a much different role where he's those those responsibilities are broken up. So I am not going to bet against Keith Jones. Well, and that's the important thing too. Like, like he's not going to be lording over anybody like saying, all right, we're taking this guy, or he's not going to be like Ed Snyder saying, Hey, trade Bobrovsky. We're signing Brizgalov. Right. He's mm -hmm. like, it's not going to be that kind of shit. The funny thing too, is I keep telling myself, I'm like, all right, 
well, just because he was doing fart jokes on WIP, he's he's not going to the Flyers to do fart jokes, right? I mean, like it's a it's a different it's 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 not that, right? So again, it's an optics thing. It's something that we look at in our head, but like really right. at the end of the day, it probably doesn't matter. And I've always been. I, I th- I'm curious as to what you think about the whole stereotype of like former players and uh, alumni and all that stuff, because they, they have the flyers get killed for that. And maybe there's some truth to it. Maybe, maybe not, but like, you know, Dave Haxtell had nothing to do with the organization. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. Chuck Fletcher is technically kind of like an outsider. So it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, for all they want to, all they want to talk about like Clark and Holmgren and all that kind of stuff. Like they, they have deviated from that in the past. And like, I, I guess my take is like, okay, if, if they're former player, like there's some former players who are good at what the, at, at this, and some former players that suck. I mean, so can you really put a blanket statement on the whole thing? No, and I think the most important thing to rely on is the fact that you're going to have that separation of power, if you will, between the you know, ownership, between Keith Jones as the president, and then Danny Briere actually being the general manager. And I don't think, I mean. Yeah, I don't think Jonesy's going to be on the phone making those calls for trades. I think he will be be a uh, what's the key term now sounding board for a guy like Danny Briere. And I, 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 like I said, I know it's not popular, but I miss the hell out of not just Ed Snyder, but I miss the hell out of that attitude. I miss the hell out of that attitude of that Flyers fan base, knowing that those guys gave as much of a damn as they did in the stands. Because, I, I mean, that's the way I grew up, thinking, yeah. oh, this could be the year. I know I, they haven't seen a Stanley Cup champion since my dad was a kid, you know? Yeah, but Pagan, the funniest thing that, like, exemplifies that to me is Pagan went to the sell the team rally, and there was, like, like 12, 12 dudes there, you know? Like, the weather was shitty, but still, it's like they can't – they're so apathetic, they can't even show up to the sell the team <laughs> Yeah. That's the thing, and that sucks. That that's terrible. I I want. I just look. I and I go back to this a lot. And I know it didn't work out for them, but when Doug Collins took over the Sixers as head coach, he just made a simple decree. I just want them to be relevant, and he yeah. helped the Sixers be relevant again. I. It's a simple charge right now for the Flyers and for Keith Jones and Danny Breer. Make these guys relevant again. That that's like that's what I think all of Flyers fandom is asking for. Like I'm not asking for compete for the Stanley Cup next year. I'm asking for a steady rebuild. It felt like with uh, with uh, with Hextall taking over things, it felt like a little bit of that. You know, going back to the old school way of doing things. Then Dave Hextall came in, and it felt like something completely different. It felt like they were semi committed to a rebuild, and they didn't rebuild. And then it was just mediocrity. Throw yourself wholeheartedly at a rebuild. I don't even want to hear retooling. Burn it down. And then start over again. Yeah, yeah. Hey, go back to Jonesy, the occasional fart joke in the in the war room when you know everybody wants to go each other's throat isn't that bad either. So yeah, yeah there you go. Trades, you never know when you're gonna need any one of your talents to maybe seal the deal on a trade. Right. Like, yeah, I'll 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 make this trade. Just tell Jonesy one fart joke and yeah. there, well, seal the deal. People, people's skills. It's about being able to read situations <laughs> and like defuse and what do they say when you uh Oh, you disarm people. That could be yeah. disarming. You walk into like a negotiation with like, you know, the broadcast team or something yeah. and you start with a good flatulence joke and then everybody's chill. It's it's the it's the Step Brothers interview scene with Seth Rogen. Is that exactly. is that ketchup? Is that peanut butter and ketchup? What is that? Val Camillo Val Camillo and Jonesy. <laughs> That's what it is. It's like now the now the tuxedos seem kind of messed up. Yeah. Anyway, I could definitely be Val Camillo. <laughs> crap and fart jokes there's no <laughs> wait mark well, you yeah, the, I no i forgot to oh, ask yeah, you yeah. I'm, I'm sorry man did, did yeah. um anthony said you were in the dunk were you in the dunk tank at the flyers um yeah 
Yes. Yeah, so I, um, I'm also the PA announcer for the Philadelphia Wings, which is in the Flyers umbrella, of course. And they had asked me if I'd be in the dunk tank. And I said, hell yeah. Um, so I did it. I saw Anthony. I've known Anthony for years. Um, and uh, it does a great job. Break, you know, he, broke, he broke his foot, right? Val Camillo broke his foot in the dunk tank. Get out of here. It was a vicious yeah. attack. Yeah. I did not know that. Is he all right? Is he still limping around? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, she came on Snow the Goalie, so I guess he was able to uh, to poker a deal or some yeah. piece or something. So, you know, yeah. we held it over her head so that she'd make so a guest flimsy. appearance on the podcast. Yeah, he and Russ talk all sorts of shit on the front office, and then they fire everybody, and they get a oh. new group in here. And next thing you know, they're guests. They're all hunky-dory, and they're hanging out oh. on a podcast together. That's great. No, I, I did not know he broke it. That was, I'll say it was a little bit of a faulty chair. The chair was a little faulty. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't want to start any rumors, but I'm uh, just saying is all. I hope he's all right. No, you said it was chair, a pain in the ass to get like back the, up on the organization was. Yeah. How do, how do you get back up on the ch- Is there like a step that you can step up onto to get on? You through a breakdown. Yeah. Oh, of dunk tank. Right yeah. Now? When you get dunked, how do you get back up in the chair? I think people want to know. Well, I'm glad you guys asked because I brought an instructional video of how that yeah. particular dunk tank works from TNT amusement. No, I'm kidding. I don't know how it works, but uh, no, what, how it works is it literally gets snapped down like any dunk tank. You know, you've seen them before you've done it and you have, you have to, as the dunk E you have to physically put it back up. What the hell is that? Where's the union on that? Oh, um, and you have to snap it back into place. But yeah, if you if you go down, man, at the wrong angle, it's not a it's not a it's not a, a deep pool, unfortunately. Is it is it more core? Is it more shoulders? Is it more biceps to get back up? What would you recommend, people? Shoulder presses, shoulder presses. Okay. Rep it uh, depending on your own body weight. You know, I like to go about 115 shoulder press. All right, and okay. do that 10 times. Two minute break. Sip some Gatorade. Get back to it. Military or dumbbell? What are we what are we going after? Oh, dumbbell. What is this? Come on. Come on now. That's true. You're right. I was going right. to do You're a right. union labor joke, but I didn't want to piss anyone off. Yeah. 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 Hey, listen, if, if if none of these digital platforms work out for us, we can just we can just automate dunk tanks. And I think we got a million dollar idea if anything else comes move, out. Us. Move some units, baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can see yeah, the two of you walking into shark, walking into Shark Tank, and like wheeling out your like automated <laughs> automatic uh, yeah. dunk tank or something, and. Yeah. Mark Kevin loves out. electric, so he might as well just make the dunk tank electric. We both do, actually. <laughs> yeah. I may uh, take the rest of the day. I, I may guess, take the rest of the day off and just register <laughs> the batteries and register the thing on the website and take it for a spin around the uh, around the neighborhood. Maybe I'll do a TikTok thing. Should I do a TikTok? Should I break into the Crossing Broad TikTok account and do a riding mower? Yeah, yeah. I moved yeah. out of the sub out of the city and I became the quintessential suburban dad. With- <laughs> Uh, Mark, I got one more. Like my, my, yeah. my final form of suburban dad. Uh, so you've dad. been WIP. You've been ninety-seven-five. You've been on yes. both of them. Yes. I'm, I don't know if you read the site, uh, but I'm sure you've seen the uh, the Radio Wars uh, ratings oh. recently. Oh, WIP. Obviously. I, how recent? How recent? Uh, I think what we do. What we do it last time, Kev. It was um, like two weeks ago. It was the winter book. Okay. Oh, two yeah. Weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the winter book, uh, WIP is running away with it. Obviously, you can have your, you know, your numbers, why they are doing this, why they're doing that, you know, successful sports season, successful sports season, blah, blah, blah. What yeah. do you think something that 97.5 or, or, or someone in the landscape, if you're if you're putting yourself in that uh, organization, what do they have to do? Kevin's offered ideas like they have to just bury themselves in four for four content while the while WIP takes the Eagles and they take the the Phillies I guess because they have those broadcasting rights do you do you see a strategy there of them to be able to compete with WIP one day um I I I don't know WIP has done something that's very different than when I was there and it's been five years since I was at WIP 
yeah, five years since I was at WIP. Um, kind of growing up there at, at WIP, um, it was like always have the sports adjacent stuff ready. And it seems like in my limited time listening um, that they have gone more of the technical side of things in terms of sticking more to sports than ever before. That's my vibe on it. And I feel like the fanatic has tried to do that in a lot of avenues, but for whatever reason, I think it's because of, I mean, those call letters WIP kind of have this, this halo around them that people just trust that product. They trust who's on there. They've been listening to those people for a long time and they just have this ultimate trust. And also the Eagles and Phillies being there, as you mentioned, is a huge help. I, I don't know what they would do with the Fnatic, and I got a lot of friends there that are doing great stuff, and I'm happy for them. But I, I just think that Philadelphia is so cemented with WIP that it's hard to kind of crack into that conversation. Um, if I was to write up a game plan, I, I don't I don't know wh- where it would be because the way to do it, it, it would be counter-programming, which is, okay, if they're going to stick closer to sports, then have more fun. If they're going to have more fun, stick closer to sports. And it seems like whatever has been used, whatever has been um, – thrown out there just hasn't been able to to crack the very hard brick enforced by steel enforced by cement wall that wip has put up there as this content king in the delaware valley do you think philadelphia is a two sports radio station town or do you think yeah oh i do because bottom line is there's the the fact that both stations do get listened to is huge there's a huge fan base here that if i don't like that guy i still want to listen to sports radio and this is in, and in this world, the thing that's most amazing to me is since I've gone into the digital world, I've become very, um, what's the word, familiar with other podcasts and trying to listen to how other people do it because I didn't spend you know 13 years kind of learning the podcast world. It's even with podcasts. And like I can listen to you know Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes do Smartless Podcasts, or I could listen to my Mount Rushmore of whoever. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to listen to that. But even in that world, people are still listening to sports talk radio in Philadelphia. And that's because this fan base is so unbelievably parochial that they yeah. just care about what happens here. So, yes, absolutely. I think two stations can be supported. Yeah, it, it, that's exactly what it is. Though. Man, that's the last point on that. <clears throat> they I mean, you look at like Action News, what Action News has been here in this market for forever. And I always tell every time I write something about Action News, <clears throat> it's it's the easiest thing ever because I just say, what did they do to succeed? They did nothing. <laughs> they didn't do a damn fucking thing. They were in the same newscast that they're doing now that they were doing in 1970. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's your big story. Here's the weather. Here's the sports. Here's the whatever. Then you have people that you know and people you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. You know, and the playbook was not, it was, it was really for WIP for the longest time was not any different than that. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, we're going to talk about the Eagles. It's like, you know who we are, you know where we are. This is what you've always listened to. And yeah, I mean, yeah. it works in it works in Philadelphia, you know, so it's, I, I don't think I don't think nobody in Philadelphia, I, I think Action News and WIP are the two best examples of just like they know what they are. Mm-hmm. They understand that they market that. And like if it ain't broke, there's nothing to fix, you know, mm-hmm. so I think there's a lot to be said for the idea of simplicity. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I will say I do miss the Velcro uh, angry cloud that uh Channel six used to just put on the board there. That was, I always miss that. Uh, But no, there's a, there's a great thing. Uh, There's a lot to be said for familiarity. And there's a lot to be said for, if you go to this one house party, you know, every weekend, let's say you go to this house party and there's one guy on the couch that's sitting there 
And he doesn't say too much. He doesn't say too little. He contributes. You trust what he's going to say. You know what he's going to say every time. There's a great comfort to that. And that's what they have been able to do a great job with at 6ABC for years. And I think WIP has done something very much along those lines where there's a trust issue where I know what I'm getting. I know how I'm getting it. I know the personality is delivering it to me. And that's a big factor for a lot of people when it comes to having somebody in the car. Like Lauren Michaels, when he hires somebody for Saturday Night Live, he always thinks, would I have this person in my home? I think with WIP, would you have this person in the car with you on the way to work? Would you have this person in your house as you're getting ready for work in the morning? I think there's a great familiarity to that and a great comfort to that. And I think when you talk about Ask News, they've done a great job with that. When you talk about WIP, I think they've done a great job with that as well. Have you found your comfort guy in the neighborhood? My co- get together in cul-de-sac. You're in a cul-de-sac. I know the cul-de-sac hangs out. One of my neighbors is a cop. Big Mike. Great guy. Big fan, big fan of that guy. Uh, so yeah, guy. It's, it's good. To, it's good to be around Big Mike, no doubt. No, that's a great analogy. You're you're so right. When the girlfriend drags you, or the wife drags you to a house party, and you're like, oh, I hope these dudes aren't dweebs. I hope these dudes aren't dweebs. I just need one guy. We need one guy. That's yeah, it. yeah. Oh, Isn't that so funny important. how that works? Yeah, it's so important. Yeah. It's so important. Well, hey man, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Go check out Mark Farzi Show YouTube. <laughs> Facebook Live, Twitch, Twitter on Jacob Media YouTube channel, and then uh, get to a little Wings game next next oh, uh, next year. I, it's it's rock and roll hockey, baby. It's awesome. I love it. You, you do a great job, man. I was down oh. there, did the forty five dollar ticket, all you can drink, and everything. It was a lot of fun behind the glass. I, I appreciate it. And real quick, I told Kevin this, but I'll tell you this to your face, there, Kyle Pagan. I saw you at the bar ahead of uh, Air, the movie premium. The Air. I thought it was you. Wasn't sure you were talking to some other guy at the bar. I don't want to interrupt, yeah. but. Uh, I'm sorry to introduce myself. You do great stuff, man. Big fan here. As a fellow fan of Fan on the Street Bits, yeah. oh, my God, you do a phenomenal job, brother. Big fan Thank of that. Thank you, man. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Appreciate it. I, listen, I, listen, I used to watch your stuff, so that you know, kind of gave me the uh, the blueprint for it, so I appreciate that. that appreciate you, man. That's great. Thank you. Thanks Thank for having you, me man. on, guys. This was fun. Thanks, Thank man. you. All right. Mark Frazetta. We got one more thing before we want to go. Um, the Hassan Reddick rule. The Hassan Reddick rule. Three QBs now allowed on the roster well emergency qb here's the new rule basically allows you to use a game day roster spot i didn't tell you to bring that tweet up yet craig jeez he's getting drunk with power back there kevin uh the new rule basically allows you to use a game day roster spot in the emergency third quarterback but they can only enter the game if the other two are injured or if they've been disqualified if one of the qbs is medically cleared to play again the emergency qb must be removed now bring up the Jim, jimmy kemsky tweet craig and it never went away we're calling this a sign Reddick rule. This has to be the sign Reddick rule, correct? It can't be yeah. the Jadavion yeah. Clowney rule because Jimmy Kemsky tweeted out. Remember when Carson Wentz got speared in the playoffs, left with a concussion, and then Josh McCown subsequently tore his hamstring, stayed in the game, couldn't do anything. The Eagles lost, didn't bitch about it for the next five months, and the NFL didn't change any rules. I remember. Pepperidge Farm remembers. I- I didn't click on that tweet yet, but how many of the responses do you think are just something to the effect of Carson's a pussy and he should have got back in the game? <laughs> he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't actually con- concussed, you know? Well, it's funny because I, I think I remember, I don't remember it too well, but I think the rule used to be, I think the rule changed at one point and then they changed it back. Because I think you used to be able to dress three quarterbacks or there, was, there wasn't I a restriction. You, yeah. I, I think it moved. I think this was put, taking it back to what it used to be. Um, yeah. Oddly yeah. enough, the Lions were the ones who proposed it, so we're calling it the Hassan Reddick rule. It was a result of the San Francisco thing, but the, but the Lions um, did uh, did propose that. I just I, I I don't know. I don't really have any thoughts. I did like the flippant, like, well, now the you know the Niners can stop fucking complaining about it, right? Because they they got what they wanted. But um, 
I don't know. The Eagles knocked two quarterbacks out of the, the game. You know, it's like how often does this shit happen? Yeah. Well, if your yeah. quarterback, if your starting quarterback is going to get knocked out of the game, theoretically, yeah. you're probably not going to win that game all the time. So now with all these these 49ers <laughs> players that are complaining after, it's like just put the shoe on yeah. the other foot. If Jalen Hurts yeah. gets knocked out and Gardner Mitchell gets knocked out, then yeah, we probably would have won that game. I, I that's that's just the thing. Like Sorry, don't well, like, like everyone's been saying. Don't put a backup tight end on the line against the all-pro defensive end. Well, I mean, right. I, I I don't even know who the third quarter. But let's say for the Eagles' sake, like Jalen Hurts got knocked out of the NFC Championship game, and then Gardner Minshew got knocked out. Is Ian Book coming in to like re- save save the day? I don't. I don't yeah. know. I mean, like, what's the likelihood of that? I mean, and then where where does it end? Are we going to allow like multiple quarterbacks? Are we going to go four? When the third quarterback is going to be a quarterback now, now. he's going to be like for an extra roster spot. Oh, they're going to gain the system so much. But the good thing is, I saw Colin Thompson uh, tweeted this out. It's really good for guys' tax purposes, game checks, and um, pension purposes. So it is a good rule for for, for those guys as well because now they'll be getting uh, more service time with this. Yeah, um, just checking in with T from the two hundred three real quick. He says he's living right now. South Florida is wild right now. Both teams on the brink of going to the finals. How about that? It's the year of. Uh, <clears throat> South Florida. I, I did we talk about, fuck about Thursday? South Florida Thursday? I'm just shouting out one of our loyal. Um, yeah, well, how about two stands upright for 16 games? Then you can start barking about South Florida T. <laughs> did we we Rub it mention in. that? Did you want to talk? Did we talk about the Thursday night thing? Did we want to touch? I on mean, that the Thursday night thing is this is what I bo- it boils down to me. Billionaires wanting to get more money to make billions. I mean, when Amazon is paying a billion dollars annually you're going and and you're going to switch around games for your thursday night football i thought originally it was all thursday games and i was like that's just a traveling nightmare i did see that it's from week 14 to week 18 correct 13 to 18 yeah so they can flex you know if there's if there's like a shitty matchup in week 13 on thursday night and both those teams blow and you want to put a better you know game there you give them 28 days notice and then you can flex it from sunday to thursday i look Bottom line is that like 99.9% of the people are watching on uh, Amazon Prime, right? So you're only screwing, but the people you're screwing over are, say, like you go out with fans of Philly to, you know, week 15 Sunday game and you got everything booked and everything planned in advance. And they say, well, reflection you guys to Thursday night. So it's like, oh shit, I got to change all these plans. I got to get a different flight if I can. I got to change hotel arrangements for all the buses that are, that are booked. You know, to get people to and from the stadium, the venue that you booked for your party that day. I mean, you've got to get a day off of work now. So you're you're dicking over traveling fans, and that's what John Mara and other owners were saying. Was like, look, at some point we got to like show some respect to the people who actually come to these games, even though they make up the extreme minority. When you're just looking at the numbers side of it, it's like, you know, Jer- like you got Jerry Jones says only seven percent of NFL fans have actually been to a stadium. I don't believe that. That's a very who said that? Number. Jerry Jones said that only seven percent of NFL fans have been to a stadium. Yeah. Uh, well, what, uh, what research? If there's, a million, if there's a million. Let's just say, if there's a million NFL fans, what would that be? Seventy thousand. Yeah. I yeah, I just, just don't. I don't, I, I don't believe in that. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not like a Thursday night football guy in general, anyway. Like, I know, I just don't like. I just, I don't like oh, the short rest of the players. Hmm? Suburb dad doesn't want to get seventeen different streaming uh, things. Too many remotes. Doesn't know how to work know. it. But it's got to stop. It, it, at some point, it's got to stop, right? I mean, like, because what's there's always something next, man. What's next? Wednesday night. Now they're going to play on Friday night. 
So, you know, it's like the, the NFL, this is my problem with the NFL. This is what I'm trying to say. Like they're not, they're not going to stop. Right. Okay. Everything's a slippery slope to the next day. Soon they're going to be playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Like they'll never fucking stop. You know, you know how these people are. You people. Hey, pigs, pigs get fed. Hogs get slaughtered. All it takes is one prominent NFL player, you know, a Tom Brady of the next generation, maybe Pat Mahomes to come out and being like, Hey, this is what it's like yeah. to go through an NFL season and a week of the NFL. Cause I, I was watching an interview with George Kittle. George Kittle's like, I don't get right until Thursday. So now you're going to say like you play a game on mm -hmm. Sunday. He's like, I can, he compares it to like car crashes. And when I was like, I've just, I took 50 plus car crashes, you know, as many plays as you played. And then I, I do a large lift Monday because if I sit around, I'm going to be sore. Tuesday's the worst day. Wednesday, we're back out there for practice. I'm not, yeah. my body's not getting right until Thursday. And then when you have a Thursday game, you have to go through that same exact sequence you just went through. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's absolutely nuts. And, and, and I think, I think in a couple years, people are going to look back on this and be like, that was the wrong decision. I think, I think we're, we're, we're starting to get, I think the NFL is starting to get a little bit fat for its, uh, for, for its own good. And I, and I did argue that like people were pissed off about the, about the, um, the Christmas game, but that's a Monday. Football's always been played on a Monday. Yeah, that's um, that's kind of an outlier. Selfishly, I, I, I do like Thursday night football because I do like having it. I do like being able to have something to watch on Thursday night. It does kind of feel like the 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 uh, the week is is winding down and whatnot. Tomorrow is Friday, and then we get the weekend started. It's but uh, but I, I de but I definitely understand. I I totally understand that people. You know, or athletes do not want to play on a Thursday night, and I and I can't blame them when you're going through such a vicious sport like football. Yeah. Now, final, final point for me is like, look, I think Mahomes came out and quote tweeted the Thursday night flex thing with like a you know like some kind of emoji that's of dis of disapproval, right? You know, so if your best play, if the best player in the NFL thinks it's stupid, then it's probably stupid. But yeah. you know, they just send mixed messages, man, about player safety. You know, you can't say you care about player safety and then like talk about flexing teams off a of Sunday into Thursday so that they're going to have two short rest games or, you know, adding your 17th game. And I know that was bargained for, but still it's like, you, you got to be consistent with the message here because the NFL has shown that the only thing they care about is, is, uh, is money, you know? Yeah. No, 100%. I mean, you see with Mekhi Becton on the uh, New York Jets, he came out and said that doctors kind of messed up his surgery and everything. And, and it was, that was taken under the Jets orders. There was another guy who came out and detailed everything. I, he was a, uh, he was a fringe player off the top of my head. I forget who it is, but he detailed how, you know, a surgery that he had under the advice of team doctors have all, also kind of ruined his career. You, you got, um, got that safety, um, the safety from the Eagles, who was also a special teams player who we just wrote about, who just won a bunch of money in a lawsuit against uh, Marigos, Chris, Chris Marigos. Marigos. Yeah, Marigos. Chris Marigos also had a knee injury and and uh, the advice of the Eagles doctors yeah. Um, yeah. ruined his career and stuff. So these guys keep speaking up and everything. They'll get this changed faster than I think uh, the, the owners would, would, would really like. I mean, they, they give up enough in the uh, in the deals, in the uh, in the 10 year bargaining agreements. Yeah. It's, it's always yeah. an owner's. It's always an, a pro owner's bargaining agreement. So we'll see it. We'll see it. It'll correct course. It always does. Um, maybe Mark Cuban's prediction will finally be true. <laughs> that one that he predicted by like 2025, the NFL wouldn't be king anymore. And uh, that's not happening so far. But hey, Mark, you got a couple more years left. Well, Pickleball, else? Pickleball says that they're number one. And uh, Dana White thinks that Power Slap is number one. So, bro, I'm, I'm, my girlfriend read something to me the other day that. 
some place is opening up like fifty, like they plan on opening up fifteen hundred different indoor pickleball. Oh, they're using the Bed Bath and Beyonds to open up pickleball indoor facilities. And I'm like, what is there like fifteen hundred Bed Bath and Beyonds around here? I'm like, I understand pickle is a huge like is a growing sport, but yeah. you can't tell me that many people are going to be playing pickleball in. 10, 15, 20 years. It's just like when she was like, but people play golf still. And I was like, yeah, people play golf, but that's more of a competitive sport than pickleball is. I mean, I feel like this is just kind of like the flavor of the week, in my opinion, pickleball. I think I'm coming mm. over to your side, Kevin. I like pickleball. I, I honest to God, man, like, do, do, how many people do you know? You Are you what you're like 29, right? 30. 30. Who's counting? Um, congratulations. I didn't know you turned 30. I should know that. Thanks. I got a $25 gift card. <laughs> do, how many people do you know like that are in your like circle or people that you regularly hang out with? How many do you know that play pickleball? Two. And he's married. Is he yeah. his wife? I know one. My neighbor up the street plays, but he, he plays tennis when he can. But I mean, I, I think tennis is his preference. I don't know. Like the only other people I know who play pickleball are my 73 year old dad. And um, my uncle, who's been down in the villages, I think, in Florida for like 30 years, you know? Yeah, I mean, so I'll, I I'll go down to the shore this year and I'll play. But I don't, admittedly, I don't get out a lot. I don't see a lot of stuff. I got two little kids. I don't go a lot of places. I don't see this like pickleball surge that everybody keeps telling me about. But dude, we were we were in the suburbs last week because we were watching uh, my girlfriend's mom's dog and we had the windows open because it wasn't, remember last week it wasn't that warm. It was kind of pretty chilly out. Yeah. Dude, someone was playing pickleball literally like 500 feet away. And that ball is loud. It is a loud, loud yeah. sport. That yeah. pickleball ball plop, is plop, so plop. loud. Yeah, it is annoying. Yeah. And it's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. These play, these people played for like three, four hours. I'm like, you yeah. got a job? Like, what are we doing here? Wasn't that the complaint in like the, the Philadelphia Inquirer story or Check whatever? It was too loud. It was yeah. like a big neighborhood dispute because it was too damn loud or something like that. Look, man, I, made I, like I, said a, I said it before, man. I, I don't, I don't like if people want to play pickle, that's cool as shit. Like it, it should be, but it's, it's, it was like an entry point for like people like my dad who don't have the mo who used to play tennis, who don't have that mobility anymore. And they're not going to run baseline to baseline to be able to stay active and, and, and find something that they can do. That's like a perfect, like, like middle, middle ground for, for exercise and like being able to, you know, use their dexterity and agility to their, to the extent of their abilities. You know what I mean? I, don't, I wouldn't expect some 70 year old to go out and be like banging on the baseline, you know, but I, I think people make that leap too early and it's just like, dude, you got you got one life, man. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play soccer at the highest level until I, until my fucking knee falls off, you know? Because I know I'm never gonna be able to go back and do that again. But I got the rest of my life to, to play golf and go swimming and you know play pickleball and do this other country club shit that people are doing. You know, I, I wouldn't start the country club sports in your 30s. You know, when you can still play this other stuff. You think LeBron will start playing pickle? So he's gonna retire? Did he say that officially? Did he say he's gonna retire? He or said he, he had a lot to he had a lot to think about. On his future. Uh, and then Chris B. Haynes uh, reported, and I think another guy from ESPN reported, that um, he is considering retirement. And I will tell you right now, there is no shot that LeBron James is retiring. There is no right. shot. Without a, without a farewell victory tour, there is no shot that LeBron James, one of the yeah. biggest narcissists in the world, oh. is retiring oh, yeah. after getting swept by the Nuggets. No shot. Oh, man, yeah. we almost went the entire episode with one, one with a vibration on the uh, on the desk. Well, yeah, I think that I don't know. that's a good time. That's a good time to call it more than anything. Yeah. 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 We'll call it um, literally. So, literally. If, we, if we got a macro, if we got a macro level, micro level, 
we would have been we would we would have had another uh, we would have had a full bingo card. Um, all right. Well, hey, that's the episode for today. Thanks to everybody who tuned in. Thank you to Mark Frazetta. Go check him out. Thank you to Kev. Thank you to Craig on the ones and twos. Even though there's a little drunk with power back there. Um, and we will talk to you on Thursday.